Welcome to this week's edition of Felstead's podcast series. We're delighted that Victor Chandler is joining Felstead Talks this week. Victor is a Felstead parent, a British businessman, and former chairman of the company Bet Victor. Victor spent most of his life at the forefront of the bookmaking business, as well as being involved with many high-profile sports brands, including Liverpool FC and Nottingham Forest. The Victor Chandler bookmaker brand became well-known as a bespoke bookmaker, often willing to take bets too big for other bookmakers. Aside from bookmaking, Victor is a keen rider himself and likes to start each day with a ride in the country. Victor, it's a pleasure to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. It's a great pleasure to be here, Chris. Thank you. One of the things we, we talk about at Felstead is uh, developing character. And I wonder whether you, you could just reflect for a moment on any of the biggest moments in your life uh, which have uh, influenced your character and, and perhaps defined the route that you've taken. I, I think the biggest thing was the death of my father at 50. And, and that led me into the, the betting business originally. And it was a, a life changer for me. as I, I'd originally intended to go into the hotel management business. I was working for a management consultancy company in Spain at the time my father became ill. And um, um, my mother phoned me and told me that it was more serious than my father had told me. And uh, I came back to England and unfortunately he, he, took, he was ill for a very long time. And I, I did branch out and, uh, and open an estate agent's office in, in, in Sussex um, while he was ill. And then I think when he died, the realisation that I had two sisters at, and uh, still at school and a mother that needed, uh, that needed uh, feeding, if you like. And I had no choice uh, but to go into the business that, that he'd, um, he'd set up. So prior to that, you, you'd not been involved in the business. Was it a, was, did it require a, a very different skill set? Business is business, but there is obviously a different skill set. And I mean, we're not engineers. We're, we're taking bets off of people. And, uh, and at the time, we had 20-odd betting shops. And it was the time of the recession in the seven, early 70s. Property prices tumbled. Negative equity existed. And, uh, and the country was sort of pre, pre-Margaret Thatcher. And uh, anyone that lived through that time realized how hard it was from a, uh, from a business point of view. Yeah, and uh, and particularly under the circumstances you describe, having to to sort of step in and take over from from your father's work prior to that, H- how did how did the rest of the family respond at that time? It must have been very tough for all of you. Obviously, yeah, a very tough time. I'm, my sister, were, you know, one was a young teenager and one was a seventeen, and my mother took it very badly. I mean, obviously, a shock that anyone dies, and she was in her mid forties at the time. But there was no choice. I, I couldn't see a choice. The business had been mismanaged for a couple of years. And uh, when you're told by the, the company accountant that you're insolvent, it's a big wake-up call. So there was lots of work um, to be done. It, it, you know, it took a number of years, but I think 1977 was my turning point when I sort of managed to weed out the people that weren't pulling their weight within the company. And... Uh, and start moving forward. Yes, yeah. And I, I understand as well that bookmaking is, is all about managing risk. I, I'm a, I've got a particular interest in this as a, as a Nottingham Forest fan. And I, I understand that you, you, one of the biggest risks you made was that you offered to pay all of the fans' season tickets at Nottingham Forest 
as part of your sponsorship if they could get promotion in 2010. Can you tell us a bit more about that? That well, was a good strategy. I, yes, I, I, I didn't think it was a great risk at the time. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a it's a club with um, a great fan base and uh, and a very very vociferous one. When you go there and watch the matches, I used to go there and uh, and enjoy myself. It wasn't a club that I, I supported. Although being in my business, it's very hard to support a club. Yeah, uh, you have to think about what your risks are um, and where the biggest liability is. So you tend to support the underdog. Yes, yes. Well, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, from the early days of supporting Forest, when they were uh, one of the big players in Europe, they've, they've definitely become the underdogs these days. And I, I know you, you also uh, sponsored Liverpool. So you said, you, you said it's difficult to be a fan of someone, but Liverpool must have been a, a, a really, uh, really good experience as well as, as a good business opportunity. Well, no, I'm... I'm forced at home because my two sons both support Chelsea so uh, there's there's no question I I ask who I have to cheer for okay okay and uh, your um your older son is is making really good headway on the rugby pitch at the moment does does football still play a part in his life as well my younger son is 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 a football fanatic billy now has changed his allegiance to to well as rugby as a sport uh, i think he supports saracens because his stepsister's boyfriend plays for them. But overall, he, he's, he's a mad England supporter and, and he loves the game. I mean, I, I was surprised, but he seems to take it to it like a duck to water. Yeah, no, he, he certainly seems to enjoy himself out there. Uh, as long as he can avoid picking up the knocks and, and stay on the pitch for long enough, he's doing really well. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. We've had a few incidents. Yes, yeah. And you, you've... You've been at the, the forefront of the, the sort of bookmaking sector for, for quite a long time, but you're, you're also a, a well-known figure because you, you starred in your own advertising and marketing campaigns. Was that, was that something that was, was your idea or was that pushed upon you? Did, did you enjoy doing that? It was the marketing agents, agency's idea um, because they felt that I was the only, uh, other than Fred Doan, the only name bookmaker that, that, that could do that sort of thing and they thought it, it, it gave a bit of differentiation to the brand rather than, than just being a public company. I enjoyed the first couple because it, uh, it, you learnt a lot about the making of films and how long it takes uh, to make sort of a two minute advert. Um, I can't say I enjoyed it going on because it took up so much time right, but the, yeah. the, the, the people were great to, to be with and, and some of the people that, that, that I met through it were, were absolutely great. Yeah, and uh, the the business transition. You you said when you started out there were twenty shops. Um, obviously, the the business has changed so much in that time. How, what was the what was the sort of progression and transition for uh, for your for your experience of that? Well, I, I think it's like every business today. It's technology, and it, it it's changed the world, and it's changed our business. There's an awful lot of consolidation in the business now. People are, uh, and the, the big change that's happened. Uh, Obviously, over the last few years, is, is America opening up, and you know that that's I'd retired by the time that, that America really opened up, and it's still very hard out there to get licenses and, and the processes and the regulations. But um, technology, America, China, obviously, um, and the Far East were, were our biggest markets. And and the move out to Gibraltar was was obviously uh, a, a pretty important move. 
what what were the benefits of that and it, it, you know everybody else seems to have followed that move as well well we, yes we were the first ones we got license number 001 after quite a lot of negotiation and after I'd travelled the world trying to find a jurisdiction that would accept us. Um, uh, I think the business has changed in, its, in that it's far more acceptable now and obviously governments profit out of it through tax. But Gibraltar was a low-tax jurisdiction. We couldn't attract customers from, especially the Far East, in the UK because they wouldn't pay the tax at the time. And so after going to the Bahamas, the West Indies, the Isle of Man, Jersey, God knows where else, trying to get a license. We eventually found a home in Gibraltar, and and they were very receptive to it. And I've settled it here to a a large degree. Yes. Is that where you are at the moment? Yes, I'm speaking from Gibraltar. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. And this time of year is the migration of the super yachts. So, um, and I see them come in and out. They come in and... uh, April, May, and, and leave um, September, October. Okay. It's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, and uh, am I right that there's uh, out in the harbour there's um, there's various boats as well which uh, will be on their refuelling stops? Yeah, because Gibraltar's vat-free. And uh, obviously, if, if you're spending a couple of million dollars filling up your boat, um, which is what some of the super yachts take, the 20% makes a difference, or 20 or percent. Yes, absolutely. And uh, how, how's, uh, how's life over there post-Brexit? Has that had a, a big impact on people in Gibraltar? Obviously, the, the population was very anti-Brexit, and uh, everyone felt it, it was going to damage the economy. That, that so far has not happened, but there are negotiations going on to see whether G- Gibraltar can join in the, the, um, the Schengen uh, Agreement, and hopefully that's going to happen before Christmas. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, that's good progress. No, I, because when I was out there, they were, um, I, I can't remember which side of the vote it was, but I, I, I remember the strength of feeling. And I, I think the polls were something, something in the high 90s were uh, voting, voting to stay in Europe and, and very, very few voting against. Well, I, I can assure you didn't dare say that you voted for Brexit. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And in terms of in terms of Bet Victor, the uh, the company continues to to operate. Do you, do you have a, Do you still have an interest in it? Are you are you still involved at all? No, I'm gracefully retired and let them get on with it. I I, I, I try and fill my day in other ways at the moment. I, I feel I've missed out a lot, and I have the privilege of having the, the the two young children or fairly young children, and I try and enjoy them as much as possible. Excellent, excellent. That's good to hear. And um, it, I understand you've over the, over the years you've owned or perhaps still do own some quite successful racehorses. Is that still a passion for you? I've got a share in one horse at the moment. I, I find it, if, if I lived in the UK, which is a possibility that I might be moving back next year, I think I'd take more of an interest in it. I've been very lucky to have a winner at Cheltenham and several other decent horses over the years. Um, best horse I ever had was in America, strangely enough, but. Uh, no, I still follow it. But, um, I mean, you know, I'm a racing fan. And are you? Are you still? I think I said in the intro that you uh, you you ride out each day in in the country. Is that is that true? Or? It's it's not every day, yeah. but when I'm in Spain, normally, which is about half the year, I, I tend to ride most days. Right. And we, we've taken, you know, quite a few riding holidays, safaris in. Uh, Botswana and South Africa and things like that, which is, is one of my, well, 
the best holidays I've ever had. I wish I could get my kids interested in riding, that's all. Um, well, there's still time, still time. <laughs> and you, I mean, you, you mentioned before that you, you kind of, you, you came into the business you've been in w without expecting to. Is, is there anything you wished you'd known when you started? I mean, what, what advice would you give yourself if you were able to go back and say how, how you maybe would do things differently or, or, or lessons that you could, you could have learnt from your experience now? In anything, you never stop learning. You never know everything. And, uh, and uh, that, that's been my philosophy, that you're, you're, you're there to learn. And things change so quickly. And I think we were lucky in that we embraced the Internet. And one of the first, um, well, it, it's a moot point, who was first online. I think the advice I give anyone is to embrace change and perhaps see where, the, uh, if you can see where things are going, in the future, that that's the road to follow. Yeah, and I guess the the last eighteen months, the last two years, have, have been time of significant change. I mean, certainly in the education sector, the, the the almost overnight change to remote learning was was difficult in itself. But that point about trying to anticipate now what it, what will schools look like in five years, ten years time, what will businesses look like in five years and ten years time. Uh, the ones that are successful are the ones that get that prediction right, I suppose. I wonder what your reflections, though, on the last 18 months or so in the world of gambling. Has that been a good time for, for the industry? Has it been a hard time? They haven't had as hard a time as most industries because for, for the very fact that people were, were shut up in their homes and, yeah. and looking for, for entertainment. Um, and the big change with America has, has, has precipitated all these takeovers and um, consolidations in the business. It's still an expanding business, that, that's all I'd say. Yes, yes. And it's not the business, you know, that, that I, uh, I was in when I started, and like most businesses. Yes. Now, I think that's a, there's a good lesson there for young people coming through school at the moment with whatever career aspirations they have at the moment or however they picture a career at the moment it's likely to, to look quite different by the time they get there and to, to be prepared for that and to be, to be ready for that change when it comes along. Well, yes, and I feel as a country we have to invest more and more in technology to be competitive. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And wh what, about, what about the future then? You said you, you're uh, enjoying retirement and enjoying being able to spend time with the kids. Is, do, you have, uh, do you have future aspirations that you, you've still got to fulfil? I'm still working a couple of days a week or more sometimes. We've got, uh, I'm involved as a mentor and uh, a shareholder in a, a company that produces uh, online games. Not gaming, but oh, games. Okay. I've seen grow from um, three people now to 54, I think it is. And I'm a you know, I'm more than impressed with their energy, um, with their intelligence, and uh, going to see them is, is, is a breath of fresh air in my life, to see young people that, that have a work ethic that um, is, is more than admirable. Mm. No, sounds good. And, but they do talk to me and think I understand what they're saying, and I don't. <laughs> a the yeah, well, uh, that, that's, uh, I think that's a truth in schools as well. I think the, the language changes far more quickly than the adults realise, and... Uh, <laughs> We're, all, we're always pretending we know what's going on. Um, and I've got to ask you one thing about, um, I saw that you, you at one stage 
I believe, owned Walthamstow Stadium, is that right? That that was my grandfather that started it, just prior to, uh, in the uh, early 30s. The family had been involved in greyhound racing since its inception. My, my grandfather was a shareholder in two other greyhound stadiums, White City and, and Harringay. He sold his shares in those and built the stadium in Walthamstow, which closed, what's... Um, Nine years ago, ten years ago. Okay. I mean, you know, the, 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 there is not the interest. The crowds, um, they used to get crowds of thirty, forty thousand 40,000 at, at White City and Walthamstow. Yes, yeah. I mean, you know, um, Winston Churchill made a huge speech at Walthamstow um, during his re-election campaign after the war. It's, it's something that's died a death out of fashion or, or whatever. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, did, were, were you ever? I mean, this is probably a silly question, but did you, were you ever the person down in in the stadium doing the the tic tac um, uh, with the odds? We had a pitch at Harringay Stadium, but I'd, I'd, I'd stood up once on. But most of my, all, all I, I can I can still tic tac, yeah. just about. Um, and uh, um, I was a bookmaker on the rails at the race school for a long time, and that was where all the action was um, in those days because. The race course was tax-free, whereas the offices and the betting shops were, uh, well, tax-varied over my lifetime, from 7% down to 3%. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't realised that, realize that tax-free. That, that, is that still the case, at the, the race tracks? Well, the race courses, there are no real bookmakers. I, I, if I, when I go to the races, I don't recognise anyone there. Yeah. Or one person, I think, is left from the old crew of, of the big players in the market. You know, you could. It, 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 I go back to sort of the late or mid '90s, where you could take a, a million pounds worth of bets on the on the rails at a Windsor night meeting, which is a lot of money now, sort of fifteen million, something like that, twenty yeah, million. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a pretty remarkable amount of money for one night. And ju- just one last question, then we we talk a lot at, at school about um, growth mindset and, and the benefit of learning from mistakes is is there is there a point where you think actually you needed to make a mistake in order to move on or is is that is that an everyday occurrence is it uh, or is there one moment you can point to i've made so many mistakes it's just that you've got to make the right decisions outweigh the mistakes i mean it's 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 part of growing up isn't it making mistakes and i think coming back from making mistakes is the thing to do Making a wrong decision is part of making right decisions later on, I believe. Because, and you mature. Um, not everyone, you know, it's going to succeed first time or even second time or third time. But if you've got the staying power, it's, it really is what's needed in business. Yes, yes. No, I mean, a friend of mine who's a property business said, you're never a property developer unless you've been bankrupt at least three times. Okay. <laughs> and he's very, very successful now. Okay. And he has been bankrupt actually four times. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, maybe that maybe that's a career talk, careers talk we need to uh, we need to put on at some <laughs> point. And um, you, you've ju- you've just uh, you've just had a, a book published. Is it a, an autobiography? It is. Yes. I, I had a ghostwriter who's been a friend of mine and who's been writing it. I think for. Nearly twenty years. Oh wow! I mean, we, we, just because we we see each other regularly, he, he writes down 
anecdotes as, as he hears them. Uh, okay, okay. And how, how, but it ends in 2007, and the intention is to write another one. Oh, uh, right, okay. And how, how was the feeling of putting all of that together, sort of reviewing, reviewing life over that period of time? Well, we were told by the lawyers to take out more, <laughs> about 20%, okay. because the people are still alive. Ah. So it, 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 it was fun, I mean, because I get on so well with him, and uh, uh, normally we, the conversations wander off onto other subjects, which is why it took so long. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Victor, it's been lo- lovely to talk to you this morning, and uh, thank you so much for, for sharing some of your stories. Uh, I, I'm really sorry that you weren't able to get Forrest promoted in 2010, uh, but, but other than that, it's, uh, no, it's been great to hear from you, and, and thanks so much for talking to us today. Good to see you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Headmaster Chris Townsend talking to Victor Chandler. Thank you, Victor, for coming on to this episode of The School Podcast. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you get future notifications. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.